Hello and welcome to another episode of Cults Talks where I talk about anything and everything of interest to me whether that be political, economic, social, technological, legal, environmental, cultural you name it, I'll speak about it about it. Today is another review and it is a review of an exhibition at the National Portrait Gallery which is right behind Trafalgar Square and it is called Winslow Homer, Force of Nature and a boy was it resplendent. I had no preconceptions of what uh, Winslow Homer looked like, I did not know how popular he was. I always find it funny when I see the name Homer like around obviously because of homer's odyssey and then now winslow homer they say that winslow homer is one of the best portrait artists if not the best portrait artist of all time i never knew who he was before today like not today before i watched i went to this exhibition like i think historically most of what we understand as fantastic art tends to be italian right so we've got leonardo da vinci or we've got like van gogh who is dutch so actually Europeans really dominate um, painting, but Winslow Homer was an American man, but he did live in England for a while. So it was quite interesting to see his interpretations of the world at large and his focus or focal point as exhibited at the gallery was American civil war politics. And he was very intentional in showing both sides to the war Um the unionists and the confederates and it's crazy because i feel like going to galleries is an acquired skill it's an acquired art you know you can't just go there and expect to enjoy you have to find the joy or whatever and one thing i've learned in in dealing with um numerous attendances to galleries in london at least is that you have to really understand that every picture tells a story like each picture speaks a thousand words so it's the quickest way to understand a moment in history if you read the provenance and really try to interpret what is going on before you as opposed to glancing at you know um a still image it's about interpretation which is why it's such a like respected degree like history of art and um such a main focal point for a lot of visual artists even if they're not necessarily um painters or uh designers of portraiture you will find that they're always interested in imagery and how things are presented but without learning the provenance of a picture you're never going to get to the real why it's significant and the national gallery obviously does a stupendous job in telling you why every single thing in that picture is deliberate and I, ugh, I loved it so, so much. The only piss take was I came at five o'clock and closed at six. I think I even came after five. So I couldn't even like really indulge in it the way I do. I normally stay at galleries for like an hour, at least two hours if I'm feeling good. But I didn't get that opportunity. And they, and they even closed a bit early. So that was my fault. But I inhaled everything I needed to see. And that was good enough for me. Although I might go back. If it's still open after I'm back from my holiday, I might go back just to get a refresh. Because I even went to the VA a couple of days ago. I'm just like going on a tangent here. I went to the VA a couple of days ago and I went with a friend of mine and it reminds me that like you really have to go back to these exhibitions. 
because you can't really get them all all the information you want in one day i mean you can if you really are disciplined but i never take notes on these things and it's really annoying because you get home and all the stuff that was in your prefrontal cortex kind of disappears which is why i really need to um i really really need to start taking little like handbooks and writing notes about themes and stuff and or at least recording podcast episodes really quickly or just going twice you know because we are not going to get the information that we need in one sitting same with books you think oh yeah i've enjoyed it i need to see it again you absolutely need to see it again trust me like your best bet is going to that um event and seeing it again so i will look at my instagram story and find what was posted on it because then i'll be able to give you a better review i think that's the key because i i find it in the pictures the pictures are really detailed to be fair you have to see it to believe it some of those pieces are phenomenal like out of this world type illustrations and what i didn't know was that winslow homer was not black but it's funny because the piece of art that was advertised on the underground was um a black person so I, I just assumed he was black and you know me i'm a big believer in supporting the community and uh, when i found out he was white and i was like oh shoot but obviously it didn't really matter because the work is so stunning um it's worth going through anyway whether you're into black art or not or whether you're not into black art like if you just want to see artistry whatever but he had so many different paintings and there were so many um little um boxes of information that described him as somebody that did not want to ever explain his pieces which is like me in a nutshell because bloody hell god knows when people ask you how'd you find this how'd you find this why did you do this you just i find it so irritating like bro use your fucking imagination so excuse my language but people don't want to think anymore people don't want to do the research they just want you to tell them what it was but his pieces were so so detailed that you know if you are an archivist or historian or from that period of time and you analyze his work enough you can see that he's putting as many themes as possible whether that's just two women lounging on a beach picking up their skirts and knowing that you know beach outfits at that time were not your bikinis of today um and women were not really encouraged to do leisure and if it was it was it was not swimming and um how he got pushed back for certain pieces but i think the piece that stunned that stunned me the most was literally the junk canoe um painting it was one about african-americans was one that featured African-Americans who were, I think it was Louisiana, who were about to engage in the carnival, which is, of course, historically known to be a, a protest event, but has obviously changed meaning, unfortunately changed meaning over the past couple of decades. And it made me think, because this was around the time, this was, um, what's this? What single carnival was like two months ago, right? Because I, I went to this in September, so it was not too far out from the Notting Hill Carnival. And I remember seeing the debates about, you know, what the purpose of Carnival is. Should they infuse African or Afrobeats music into it? Because African themes are already there as per Carnival being an amalgamation of cultures in the Caribbean um, that symbolise resistance towards the West. However, people were wondering, should there be like a new school 
of 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 music or or arts and culture and some people were staunch in saying no and some people were like no like let it happen liberate yourselves but I think what people underestimate because I looked at this art piece and I said to myself I think sometimes you just need to keep things as untouched as possible sometimes I feel like modern culture has space for new events and has space for new meanings let's say um in creating moments for instagram or hosting i don't know lunches parties naming new things creating new award shows that's all fantastic phenomenal keep doing that whatever but there is an element for me that requires preservation of the old in its most pure sense and when i say pure i just mean like undiluted and unfiltered and as it was because as somebody who goes to a lot of museums and galleries, I'm realising the importance of keeping things as they are, artefacts as they are. And I'll get onto that when I review the um, Hallyu Korean Korean Wave um, exhibition that I saw at the V&A on Friday, because that was exactly what was happening. It was the Koreans really saying to themselves, we are not going to move from this historical emblem we're going to maintain it we're going to keep it and why to this day people can still recite things that are so important to the culture of the Josian of Josian of the Joseon dynasty so long ago because it has been preserved but I'll get on to that so yeah Winslow Homer was a uh, a phenomenal historian who made his living in artwork which is something that most people cannot attest to um in modern day because it's really really hard but I really enjoyed how his themes were so often um coastal this exhibition was called the force of nature so you can imagine it focused a lot on the world naturally as it was so you get a lot of pieces on the water you get pieces on the beach you get pieces during storms um boats rocks, ships, like all of the elements that put you in touch with the world in a way that you can't control is what he did. Naturally, a lot of what he focused on because it was focused around the American Civil War was conflict and uncertainty, which is obviously such a major emblem of today's time with COVID and inflation and living cost prices and just despair, illness, you name it, mental health, um, poverty, homelessness. So it reminded me that you can have a preoccupation with what someone else might consider a negative theme because it does help you inform that present time. There are some people that are going to focus on joy. There are some people that are going to focus on pain. And, and that's okay. Like, there's space for it. And I think that's my point with the whole John Canoe painting because someone would have said, oh, no, show a black family that's happy but I'm sure there's someone out there that's doing that already like do what you're called to do and someone else will do their part you know so they because they presented him as somebody in in this exhibition as like it seemed to me that he was very um unsociable like naturally most people when asked why did you do this would be keen to tell them why but he didn't seem really keen on it I don't know why I'm just assuming they 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 that they had they they presented him as having a um a a lifelong preoccupation with conflict 
of uncertainty, which like might just sound really negative to the average person. Like he's just somebody that likes to be um dull or doomed or sad in his presentations, you know? And um he had a mixture of 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 settings to focus on. So battlefields was common as per the war, um seascapes, um, but it was in oh it was it was in just infuriatingly brilliant how he can tell so many stories in one painting. Um, there was a piece called the Vet- the veteran in a new field, and you would just look at it like, oh, this guy's like just holding a, a like some kind of cutlass, and he's in um a field of I don't know wheat growing some kind of grass, or whatever. But the little provenance um document explained that the painting embodies the tension between grief and hope after the war homer completed it following the surrender of the confederate general robert e lee and the assassination of president lincoln a discarded union army jacket at lower right identifies the farmer as a veteran the new field of the title reminds of reminds us of his old one the battlefield this return to productive peaceful pursuits echoes the biblical passage from isaiah Chapter 2, verse 4, they shall beat their swords into plowshares, while the harvest signifies renewal, the single-bladed scythe evokes the grim reaper. So if I just describe the painting to you quite briefly, it's a man who's standing in a field. The field is mostly like, I guess it's wheat, Um, and he's holding, uh, they they describe it as a scythe, it could be a cutlass, and he has a a jacket on the floor, and um, that jacket's kind of covered up by... um, some kind of grass and the idea that he's in a new field is clearly emblematic of the fact that he was once on a battlefield hence the discard of that jacket and the new field is him going back to his original job as a farmer and like they said the harvest represents a new season so the idea is there's a new time coming it's uncertainty and you would never look and notice that i feel like we're a bit spoiled for choice when it comes to content right because we've got instagram we've got quick images on our phones or whatever but these paintings take time and these paintings are are drawn up at at particular instances that are very original and unique um because how else would you be able to tell a story without knowing the context behind it but the title is really really key really really key in giving you an understanding of what's being presented there um there was a piece called Dressing for the Carnival, which I explained before, and it represented um, the John Connu, which is a key theme in carnival culture, I believe both in the Caribbean and the Americas. Well, if I just read out the provenance behind this particular painting, it was in 1877. Two women sew a young man into his costume as the Lord of Miserable, a character from John Canoe or John Canoe, a celebration of endurance and resistance in many transatlantic enslaved cultures. Directly after the Civil War, newly emancipated Americans started celebrating Independence Day as a commemoration of Black liberation, incorporating aspects of John Canoe. The painting's original title was Sketch, 4th of July in Britain, um, 4th of July in Virginia, and two children hold small American flags. Homer painted it the year federal troops withdrew from former Confederate states. In the decades that followed, such celebrations of freedom would be suppressed in the South. So automatically you understand the political importance of a painting like this in representing black liberation um, in the South, 1877. And knowing that this heritage, right, this 
black liberatory heritage is being displayed like this at that time you know it's poignant you know it's original you know it's unique but knowing the context is even further galvanizing because then you say to yourself oh wow we need to uphold this okay they had an independence day when was it oh they had this carnival dressing um how do i how do i procure it you want to maintain it because you want to maintain that tradition you know and often there's a lot of things that people do want to go away get away from there's a lot of customs and history that people don't want to follow anymore and that's absolutely fine you know things are open to discussion or whatever but for something like this which is literally a sign of black resistance you'd argue that you want to maintain it you'd argue that present day people want to continue it hence the creation of things like Notting Hill Carnival where these moments came out as a as 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 a as a um a protest movement to you know white supremacy or white hegemon hegemony so it's important you don't realize it when you're young because it doesn't seem like it's important but um it is and that's why I do this podcast because I hope one day someone will listen back and be like oh that little black girl was 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 black girl black woman was talking um so much about history of of black people in the in the in the world not just the uk because i am trying to broaden my horizons in establishing a global black identity but um there was a piece that was quite poignant it was called the cotton pickers and it was of two black girls in a cotton field picking up cotton as you as self-described but it was the first ever homer winslow painting ever seen in the uk and remember when I said that he was American and he eventually moved to the UK to do a bit of his own work. And it really intrigued me that this sign of black women being enslaved was the first thing that Britain saw. And this is the painting that essentially made Winslow's career, um, or began it. And it goes to show you that we have a preoccupation as people, as consumers or as customers with um, conflict or supremacy or superiority whether we like it or not it's why these netflix true crime shows are such an engine for attention we can't get away from it it's all around us but people do want to visualize it in other forms beyond um film beyond even painting beyond arts and culture you know and you wonder is it is it a vagrancy is it people watching things um, not very fancy. Is a voyeurism. People watching things in um uh, their own desire to oppress, the, their own desire to feel better than somebody, the, the, their own desire to consume, or is it from a genuine concern? I can't speak for it. I just found this um gallery very educational, and the and the um artist has an interesting history of being born in Massachusetts. He, I believe, came from a like, quite a good family. Um. He was a freelance illustrator for periodicals for a long time, settled in New York, then moved to the um, UK after the Civil Civil War. But he didn't even go to like a huge city. He went to like a village I'm aware of. And um, there was a really cool map that I really enjoyed seeing. Um, it was the 1857 map of the Atlantic Ocean. And it was talking about the Gulf Stream and how the Gulf Stream connects so many um heritages that homer explored so it connects the caribbean up the eastern seaboard and across the ocean to europe which were all central to his art and again i found that really really phenomenal um and i love that his work was ambiguous people would ask you know so why are the two women on this beach and he'll he's just like they're just women on the beach and then 
there was like a hound and hunter piece that was quite really unique actually about this man who's in a boat and he's kind of holding this um deer horns right and then there's a hound in the in the um, water and people asked him um so why so I wasn't get it is the was why is the deer in the water why is this guy holding the, the the horns of the deer and he had to explain that um he said the critics may think that the deer is alive but he is not otherwise the boat and man would be knocked high and dry i can shut the deer's eyes and put pennies on them if that will make it better understood so he was a bit sarcastic in explaining what his work is but it's it's it was important for him to explain that the hunter was not drowning the deer because people thought the hunter was drowning the deer but because the deer's eyes were open it seemed like it it, it was a case of this man is is harming this animal and you get those animal human relationships a lot in homer's work you know um there was one where these two birds were facing the water one was facing the water one was facing the air and it's like a representation of of turbulence and the focus on mortality and again the gulf stream connecting you know the bahamas and cuba to europe which is something that Winslow Homer was really deliberate about his seascapes are incredible how he interprets water in his paintings is phenomenal like beyond you look at it and you're like you sway you're there you know um really really great really great job and um I went actually when the Iran ex not Iran exhibition there was an Iran protest outside for a young woman who was I believe killed because she wasn't wearing a hijab properly it kind of reminded me like you know this protest is happening in front of the National Portrait Gallery how original because what's going on inside the gallery is very much the same idea of protest whether it be the carnival representation whether it's women at the beach whether it's black people on the gulf stream it was very deliberate so yeah really enjoyed it and would highly recommend it to anybody who wants to see works in action and wants to understand what it means to interpret a story um I think one of my favourite pieces was this woman who was standing on, like, a shore in, I think it was England. It might have been the States, but I believe it was England. And um, one of the descriptions was that this woman is not made of the stuff that is swept away. She's part of the storm itself because it's a very stormy day. And she's standing with a basket and her dress is kind of upturned. And she's holding that basket quite righteously. And people might be like, oh, my God, you know, she's she's being swept away by the wind. But she's part of the storm itself, I thought that was very, very poetic, that was called Inside the Bar, it was made in 1883, so I love these themes of mortality, I love these themes of diaspora, I love these themes of blackness, I love these themes of war, you know, I'm, I think sometimes when you're writing unconventional things, you worry, am I being too negative, am I being too morbid, am I being too sad, but if this is what preoccupies you, this is what the narrative is telling you to write, write it, or, or, or paint it, draw it, do whatever you can, you know, because it's your original so i enjoyed creating this podcast and i look forward to making the next one which i believe is the exhibition i went to quite recently but i have to double check I'm not fully sure i think there's another one before that oh no i never i went to another event but that's not one i'm going to review but yeah thank you for listening to this episode
And I appreciate you. Take care and stay tuned for the next one. Bye.